if you want to know what's going on, if you're going, why is his face frozen like that? Is it a frozen? Is it a frozen deal? Is he a? Is he a frozen man? No, not at all. Not in the least little bit. There's no way uh, you could. Uh, if you found like um, people from like caveman times frozen from Arizona, they'd come back to life immediately because it's a hot, hot, hot. Uh, I think it's only it's going to get up to 113 here today, so it's already cooling down. Yes. Uh, you know, you're a regular Arizona guy when you're making jokes about uh, the heat instead of going, Jesus, it's hot. How do people live here? Or I got to get out of here until you finally went, all right, this is where I am. This is where I'm going to make my stand out here in greater Phoenix, Arizona. And then you just start making jokes about the heat, but it is hot. And we have a hot show for you today. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, uncles and brothers, sisters and cousins, mothers and lovers. This is Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. I come to you every day at uh, 2 p.m. Arizona time, which uh, is normally Mountain Standard time, but we don't do Daylight Savings time, because so right now we're Pacific time. Now you don't know what time it is where you are. I've just confused everyone. Um, I got a great show for you today. I got fun stuff to talk about. Uh, before we get started, I want to remind you that tonight at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard time, we're doing a free intro for our stand-up comedy workshop. It's at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard time. Arizona time. All you got to do is go to comedyschools.com and click the link for the free intro and you will enter the room. So uh, that'll be fun. Uh, good afternoon to you, Tina and Mike Lawson. Hello, champ. Hello, brother Jer. Uh, fun show for you today. I got some fun music to share with you. Uh, a fun little knickknack to share with you as well. Uh, last night was, uh, I think, a pretty good night uh, in the uh, world. In the entire world, I think last night, we began to turn the corner. Uh, and you know what I'm talking about. Because uh, if you had your television on last night, you saw something pretty darn incredible. Uh, something that you, uh, you didn't know if you ever was going to see. But last night you saw it. And you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the L.A. Clippers win, dramatic win, over the Dallas Mavericks in game one of the playoffs. I predict that the Clippers will beat the Mavericks in five. Five. That's right. They, they will lose one, possibly. Last night, the Clippers were, they had no chemistry. They were off balance. They, uh, their defense was poor. You got to take your hats off to Luka Doncic and uh, the fellow whose name I can't pronounce uh, because it's uh, Eastern European, like my last name, Visek. Uh, but he got ejected. I thought it was an unfair ejection. However, you know what? I'm not a ref. I'm not a ref, okay? Uh, and the Clippers won. So you got to witness that on your television last night. I am so glad. I'm so glad. I'm glad baseball is being played, but I'm sad that uh, so many of these players and staff are being felled by uh, coronavirus. Not felled and dead, but felled and... You know, they're getting sick, and who knows who they spread it to when they got it as well. Uh, the uh, Major League Baseball, and I've always loved baseball, uh, which I love. Uh, I love baseball. Has not done a great job. It's almost kind of like uh, uh, they're like arranging deck chairs on the Titanic. They know players are going to get sick. They know their bubble doesn't really work, yet they're playing anyway and risking uh, uh, life and limb. Uh, well, life mostly. You don't lose a limb from coronavirus. But risking a life and health uh, to play the game, and they could have probably done it better. That being said, I don't run Major League Baseball. Isn't that the truth, though? 
How many opinions we have? Hello, Eric Roy. How many opinions we have on things when we don't really, we're not in charge? And I think that's okay with sports, you know, because that's where you can put that stuff. That's where uh, guys like uh, my buddy Paul Whitney, who uh, may join us later on, uh, who's a big Dallas Mavericks fan because he grew up in that area, and me, an L.A. Clippers fan, because I grew up in Los Angeles and I wasn't going to watch the Lakers, uh, uh, where we can have strong, fun, emotional disagreements, okay? And, you know, and, and, you know because we're fans, we, uh, we uh, pay the price for the cable or we pay the price for the ticket, we buy the T-shirts, uh, and so then we get to have these opinions which don't affect the team at all. Something to talk about, go Celtics. You know where the Celtics can go. <laughs> Are they in, Eric? They're in, right? Uh, in the Eastern Conference? Uh, for those of you on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com, what's going on right now is uh, I've got uh, my phone in front of me, and with that, we broadcast on Facebook Live, and I can see comments directly. So um, uh, Eric Roy put up, go Celtics. You know, it's really Celtic, Celtic. But somehow, uh, he, he says he has no clue. <laughs> see, I like this kind of stuff. This is good. And what I like about what the NBA did is they worked it out, man. They said, all right, everybody's going to be in one spot. We're going to gather in one spot. Eric Roy, football fan, not as much basketball. Uh, I'm looking forward to football season, Eric. If they could pull it off, man, if they could pull it off without a massive amount of infections uh, or a large amount or a, uh, even a healthy amount. Healthy is kind of an ironic word to use there. Uh, I'm all for it. I love watching that game. Um, been going to football games since forever, man. I never went to football games till I moved to L.A. in the 70s, and then we started going out and catching the Raiders all the time and the Rams on occasion, you know, and then coming to Arizona, uh, being able to go to Cardinal games easily when they were at uh, Tempe Diablo Stadium, and I was uh, 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 my uh, headquarters was out of uh, uh, was out of. Uh, uh, um, uh, the Tempe area, you know, uh, and and following these fa teams and following the St. Louis Rams and when they went back and became the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I love watching football. And you know what? I kind of don't pay attention to if they're Republicans or Democrats. I don't pay attention to if they stand, sit, or kneel. Uh, I don't pay attention to any of that. As I told my daughter when she was little and I was taking her to NBA games, I go, we admire them for what they do between the lines, okay? And anything outside of that, a lot of them, most of them, are not any smarter than you and I. And that's not a put-down of them because my daughter is smart and, and there is a, a minority of people to claim that I am too, okay? So um, I hope they're able to pull it off. But last night, my Clippers won. Uh, they play again Wednesday. I think the NBA did it right, putting everybody in the bubble. If you leave the bubble, you're quarantined. Even if you're a, a superstar, even if you're a multimillionaire, even if you're... Lou Williams is ungodly important to the L.A. Clippers. Chicken Wing Lou is what I call him now. And he got permission to leave quarantine to attend a funeral and then made a little pit stop at a uh, gentleman's club uh, that he uh, so often frequents in Atlanta that the chicken wings there are named after him, which is why I've nicknamed him Chicken Wing Lou. But Lou was not allowed to play. Until he cleared quarantine. Same thing with Montrez Harrell, who uh, on our condolences to him on the loss of his uh, uh, grandmother who raised him, and he was pretty devastated by it. And last night was his first game since March. But they did it right, and now we've got some sports to watch. Also on television last night, 
as many of you know, was the beginning of the Democratic National Convention. It was a historic convention in a number of ways. In one, that it was done on social media. No great big massive crowd inside a convention hall or a stadium, all waving signs, and music playing, and clusters of, of uh, caucuses getting together and, and having uh, 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 political button men go over and try to talk them into uh, swinging their delegate, delegate count one way or another. None of that it was all presented on uh, social media. A stunning and stirring speech by Michelle Obama. Uh, what a wonderful speaker. She was actually my choice. If, I was, if, if, if Joe Biden would have called me and said, hey, uh, hey, Tom, Joe Biden here. I'd say, hey, Joe, how's it going? This is what I would have said. I would go, hey, Joe. I wouldn't have gotten flustered and went, oh, my God. Because, you know, right now he doesn't have a gig. So, you know, it's not like he's a vice president or a senator. He doesn't have a gig. He's just a guy. He's just a guy like you and me. Okay? <laughs> but if he'd have called me and went, hey, uh, Tom, Joe Biden. And you know what? Hey, Joe Biden looks and sounds like the kind of guy who might call me, that I might call. He looks like some of the guy, you know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of my Uncle Dave. My Uncle Dave was a great guy, Vietnam War veteran, did a lot of work with veterans, worked for Alcoa Can for a long time, you know, raised five daughters, married to my mom's sister, all the way up till he passed on, you know, a uh, member of the Polish Falcons down in St. Louis, a, a Catholic fraternal organization, you know, guy who liked to watch baseball, on Saturday and football on Sunday and liked his bush beer, you know, moved from the city out to the country, had his little piece of paradise before he went on to paradise. That's who Joe Biden reminds me of. Dave, who I loved when I was a kid, used to play ball with me before they sent him out to Vietnam. Okay, came back changed, but not terribly. All right, regular guy, good man. That's who Joe Biden reminds me of. My Uncle Dave used to call me. Joe Biden could call me. Hey, Tone, uh, Joe Biden. Hey, Joe, what's up? What's going on, Joe? I'd, be, I'd, I'd say, hold on. I'd, I'd, I'd hold the phone down by my shirt like this and he can't, he'd be up against my shirt and go, Shirley, Shirley, Joe Biden's on the phone. Joe Biden. <laughs> hey, Joe. I mean, I've talked to politicians. I've talked to senators. I've talked to, uh, I don't know if I've ever talked to a governor. Senators, House members, I've talked to them. Shot the breeze with Tom Halloran. He's our congressman out here. Why couldn't I talk to Joe Biden? Anyway, if you call me, I'm going, listen, uh, we're trying to figure out who to, uh, for whom we... I'm going to run for president. I don't know if you heard. And I go, yeah, I saw something on the internet. You're running for president. Yeah. You going to vote for me, Tony? Go, yeah, Joe. Yeah, I'm going to vote for you. Darn tootin'. Goes, well, here's the question. Who should I pick for my vice president? Who should be my running mate? I would have chosen Michelle Obama. I think Michelle Obama make a wonderful vice president. I think she'd make a wonderful president. I think she'd make a wonderful senator. I think she'd make a wonderful Supreme Court justice. Michelle Obama. And last night's speech were just stunning. Now, if you are not a, uh, if you're a uh, Trump fan, you didn't like the speech. I get that. So the convention last night, the kickoff of the convention was historic, historic in a couple of ways. Okay, it was on social media. It was not in a large convention center. It wasn't thousands of people gathered. And it was also historic because Republicans, Republicans, spoke at the Democratic National Convention. John Kasich, who is another guy, you know, I'm a Midwestern guy, you know, uh, I'm part Irish, so Joe Biden, I, you know, John Kasich is from Ohio, I'm from Missouri, Joe K. he looks like a lot of guys I knew. You know John Kasich reminds me of, he reminds me of like your mid-level boss, 
you know, like the floor manager. You know, he reminds me of like, a, a, not the big boss, but the guy who was on the floor with you when you worked at the, uh, worked in a factory, something like that, superintendent. That's what he reminds me of, okay? Bad haircut, never cared. Never cared he had a crappy haircut. Uh, I've disagreed with John Kasich on damn near everything, but what John Kasich has proven is that he's a man who believes what he believes because he thinks it's best, even though many things that he believes I don't think are best. But he's a man who believes in principles and loves this country. And let's, let's just get rid of this idea that liberals hate this country. We don't. Man, we love, we've had so much fun in this, damn, in this country. Wow. The best thing you could be in this country in the last half of the 20th century into the 21st was a liberal because you got to do all kinds of liberal stuff. Uh, I would have picked Michelle Obama. So it was historic because it was on, um, it was, uh, on social media and because Republicans spoke out against the current president. Um, Champ de Blasio says they pulled off a pretty well-run convention, much better than I thought. Yeah, you know what? People are figuring out how to do it. That's if, if you, I, I worry about America. We all worry about America. But sometimes that stunning, paralyzing, ice-cold fear that we're losing the country makes you do some stupid stuff, make some stupid decisions. But if you don't believe that we're not a great people, yeah, we argue and fight and everyone's way run out in the street and walk up and down it and we break some windows and you shouldn't do that. And by the way, if you're breaking out my windows... Uh, yeah, I'd be giving you more than a good talking to. If it was my store on any street, and even if I agreed with what you were marching for, you decided it'd be a good idea to bust down my windows or set fire to my place, uh, we'd have uh, more than a strong conversation, I guarantee. I'd be like a Korean shopkeeper in South Central during uh, the Rodney King situation. Yes, sir. But even though we do all of that and scream each other on social media, uh, you want to see how, what kind of ingenuity we have? You want to see what kind of resourcefulness we have? Just look what has happened in the last almost six months now. How many people have been able to move, find a way to function when so many of the uh, avenues that you took to function have been shut down? Buildings shut down. Businesses shut down. Services cut off. And still, we have found a way to not only survive, but thrive. Because that's what Americans do. Say, oh, okay, so I can't have a concert with a bunch of people attending? I'll put my concert online. All right? I can't have a wedding with dozens of people there? I'll have a few people there, put the rest of it on video, so all my close friends all over the country and all over the world can still attend. Yankee ingenuity, ladies and gentlemen. We find a way. You find a way to. All right. Um, what I really want to talk about is the Clippers, and I really wanted to bust uh, Paul Whitney's balls if he was going to be here because he's a Mavericks fan. So in honor of the Los Angeles Clippers, okay, today I am going to reintroduce uh, people wonder how this whole bobblehead thing started. I was at a Clippers game one night, and I didn't know they were giving out bobbleheads. They were giving out bobbleheads, and I got this one. This is Darius Miles. Darius Miles was a well-known and controversial L.A. Clipper. There he is, Darius Miles. Darius Miles was a Clipper from 2001, I think 2003, 
Darius Miles was one of those guys drafted directly out of high school. Uh, they don't do that anymore. That was just too much, uh, even though uh, it's a young man's game. I think you have to have one year of college eligibility now. Probably should need more. Uh, it's a young man's game. Uh, the difference between an 18-year-old and a 24-year-old in uh, uh, just physical strength alone uh, can be quite stunning. Uh, but he was in also in any sort of maturity and uh, ability to make decisions. Uh, that being said, he was drafted directly out of high school, and he played uh, He played with some good guys, Elton Brand and Corey Maggette and Quentin Richardson. Uh, they improved, the Clippers improved while Darius Miles was with them. Uh, they playoffs while he was with them. They did in 2006. The only time I've been to an NBA playoff game was in 2006 to watch my Clippers uh, beat the LA Lakers. Darius Miles was then traded to uh, Cleveland and Portland, and he was famous in Portland for uh, almost starting a fight with the coach there, you know, and chased it down the hallway. Um, he was a good player, a very good player, not a great player, no longer in uh, sports. Retired in 2009, missed a couple years because of injury. But this was the first bobblehead, Darius Miles, that I ever got. And it happens to be an L.A. Clipper uh, bobblehead. Here it is. In honor of the L.A. Clippers win last night over the Mavericks. Remember, you heard me say it here. It's going to be the Clippers in five. Could be the Clippers in four. But I don't want to be arrogant. Clippers in five. Okay, that's our bobblehead. Uh, let's get to the music for those of you that are still with us. Uh, um, you may know that this portion of the show, I then, um, which is brought to you by Goodies Headache Powder. You got a headache? That ain't good. Take goodies. It's not. I just made that up. I don't even think they make goodies headache powder anymore. Um, everything used to be powder. Tooth powder, headache powder. Then they found a way to put it in a paste and a pill. Uh, except for cocaine. Did everyone was able to put cocaine in a uh, pill? And um, that's sad, damn it. Okay, here's our music for the day. First thing we're going to talk about is this guy right here. Uh, Count Basie. Mr. Count Basie right there, the Count Basie Orchestra. Uh, this is a great, great, great album right here that I was able to pick up um, just the other day. I did. I picked it up just the other day. It hasn't been a long part of my collection. But uh, here we've got, um, let me see here, uh, Red Roses for a Blue Lady, Moon Glow, uh, Ain't Misbehaving, Sweet Lorraine, M Squad, Don't Worry About Me, and I Got the World on a String. Uh, Count Basie on Piano. Uh, Bill Hughes and Trombones, uh, Sonny Khan and Gene Coe and others on trumpet, Charlie Fox on baritone, there were alto sax players, nobody here who really, um, this was a, a early 70s version of the Count Basie Orchestra, not the classic ones who did uh, take the A train, but still a great, great tune. I'm telling you right now, if you're not a jazz fan, you know, and we were talking about Miles Davis the other day. Uh, but uh, prior to Miles, he had been to Count Basie, more of that sort of swing uh, jazz, and no one did it better than the Count, maybe Duke Ellington. The Duke and the Count from those days, from uh, the 40s forward, uh, you want to uh, listen to Count Basie, and I'm going to highly recommend that you go to YouTube and listen to his version of... Uh, which one am I going to record? Uh, I'm going to go with I Got a World on a String by Count Basie. 
And tell me that that's not a great tune. That's not a great tune. Okay, Count Basie. Now, what I'm kind of excited about talking about right now is this, uh, this album right here. Um, those of us that are boomers are a little arrogant in a lot of ways. That we tend to think that the world started the night that uh, Elvis appeared on national television. That's what we think. All right? And that uh, from uh, us, uh, coming of age forward is um, uh, when all the greatest stuff happened. Okay? But, uh, and that our music is that somehow that music just sprung out of whole cloth, but it didn't. A lot of the music that we love and listen to came from uh, country and uh, uh, blues and Appalachian Hill tunes and old Scottish ballads. Uh, but before all of that took hold, before Tin Pan Alley took hold, uh, most of the music was still coming out of New York out of Tin Pan Alley and was then being written for uh, Broadway plays or minstrel shows. Uh, our vaudeville or burlesque those were uh, it was all live entertainment and almost all songs were being written for that but there was a different type of music coming out of the african-american community in the late 1800s early 1900s that took the world took the country by storm and became the number one popular form of music for a long time and that ladies and gentlemen is ragtime and right here we have a uh, kind of a bad drawing, but a drawing nonetheless of Mr. Scott Joplin, who is, was the king of ragtime, okay? Missouri kid, Missouri kid, learned how to play pianos in brothels, whorehouses, if you will. Oh, whorehouses had a piano player. I don't think, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't have any, uh, I don't have any uh, thing to go on in this, but I'm, I'm willing to bet. If there is such a thing still as a whorehouse, that there's no piano player. <laughs> and this album is Scott Joplin Piano Rag. So let me just read you the first paragraph because it's really, really cool. Uh, late in the 1800s, a craze for a new kind of music called ragtime swept over America. The instant popularity of ragtime increased with the advent of the new century, thrilling some observers of American culture, alarming others. Anytime there was a new black music, Think about it with Little Richards, man. People, uh, Chuck Berry, people lost their goddamn minds seeing their uh, sweet little Susie jump and wiggle around to roll over Beethoven. Same thing with ragtime, okay? By 1910, the, uh, the mania reached its peak and a decline set in. And the outbreak of the First World War signaled the end of the ragtime era. Elements of the music, however, remained alive in jazz and popular dance, theater, and movie music and traces of ragtime remain in American vernacular music of our own day. By the way, this was written in 1969. The, uh, Scott Joplin was the king of ragtime. And if you don't know Scott Joplin, you don't know the name, there, are, uh, there was the great movie from 1970 called The Sting, which still holds up. Uh, Robert Redford and Paul Newman. And all the music in there was Scott Joplin music. And, of course, the big hit, The Entertainer. Da, 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 da. So this was the hot music, man. This was the hot music, okay? And it grabbed everybody for about 30 years and scared the hell out of people. I believe uh, jo Scott Joplin died in 1917. Uh, trying to see what else here. I don't think that we have any Scott Joplin recordings. This was recorded by a guy named uh, Joshua Rifkin. Joshua Rifkin. You know, there's an interesting thing. How much uh, uh, the Jewish community 
did to uh, save and preserve black and African-American music, okay? Uh, and we'll get into more of that later, okay? But uh, here, a guy named Joshua Rifkin, and if I was going to bet, I'd bet that Joshua is Jewish, okay? Uh, recorded uh, Maple Leaf Rag, The Entertainer, Ragtime Dance, uh, Gladolius Rag, Fig Leaf Rag, Scott Joplin's New Rag, Euphonic Sounds, and Magnetic Rag. And these were all done between 1899 and 1914. So I've had this on this afternoon. And it just makes you feel good to have this music wafting through your house. So if you're looking for something that is just as effective as, you know, like those things you plug in to make your house smell good, and all of a sudden there's like a good feeling and a good vibe in your house? Scott Joplin, okay? Just put on YouTube Scott Joplin songs, turn it on, turn it up, and let it play, and you will enjoy your day. All right, that's, uh, that's our show for the day. Our recommendations, of course, Count Basie and Scott Joplin. We showed you the Darius Miles bobblehead. Bobbleheads continue on this show. We talked a little politics, uh, and I told you about tonight's free intro at 6 p.m. Otherwise than that, it's time to go. Don't you know? I'll see you tomorrow at 2 o'clock on Living on a Thin Line. Bye-bye.